0: Welcome to the Global Tech Leaders podcast, where we help business leaders and individual contributors with actionable insights to hit their number and figure out the nuances of truly operating a business globally today, squeezing the essence of the lessons learned from the planet's top tech leaders. This is your guide to joining the fast track to global market scaling.
1: So welcome to today's show. We are joined by Maria Trivallato. Uh, I hope I've pronounced that correctly, Maria, uh, who's uh, a recruitment director at Citrix. I was keen to have her on to talk to us today about the um, dynamic of culture that she holds dear and how uh, she's developing that uh, at Citrix as an organization. So welcome to today's show, uh, Maria.
0: Hello. Thank you. Thank you for inviting me.
1: It's our absolute pleasure. Um, uh, Citrix obviously a, a household name in the tech industry. It has been around for a long, long time. It's a, a product I've used myself for quite some time, and very. Uh, various instances throughout my career, um, and we'll certainly dive into the, some of those uh, aspects of the tech and the growth the company's experiencing. I know there have been some recent job announcements, etc. but uh, maybe if you could just share with our audience some of your own experience, you know, what has brought you to your career in technology, what you're passionate about, and, and really kind of the decisions you've made along the way to uh, take each step in your career, if you could share with us, please.
0: Absolutely. Uh, I can do that, Ross. Um, well, I could say my my background is very, let's say, multicultural. I'm, despite my name, I'm hundred percent Swedish, um, but married to an Italian and um, live at the moment in Paris, in France. So uh, a little bit um, mix. And started in recruitment, like many recruiters, I think by accident or by chance um, in back in 1990, two thousand and in executive search and at the same time as the big internet boom came. So naturally I moved into technology pretty quickly. And one of the one of the companies actually I recruited for back in the days were Amazon when they set up their businesses in Europe. So they were very small at that time. So it was it's amazing to see how they're growing. And um, yeah, stayed, stayed eight years in, in executive search. And um, then I was um, headhunted into moving to in-house and yeah, I thought it was a great um, challenge to move to, to a client and uh, moved into Autodesk uh, when they were about to move to the cloud and transform themselves and uh, move all their recruitment in-house as well. So stayed stay there for five years um, loved it um, and then moved to their direct competitor French one the uh, stem where they needed someone to yeah make their make their teams a little bit more international I think and um, and also grow their recruitment team uh, throughout year. and um, stay there for three years uh, was ready I think after that to. Move back to a little bit more American company, I would say, and um, and GE contacted me and to help them build up their uh, GE Digital uh, organization outside of the US. So it was a startup mode um, with nobody outside of the US. It was only me and the new, MD Europe at that time Um, and it it was a strange feeling to be sort of alone Uh, we didn't have an office uh, or anything and and at the same time we were in an organization with 150,000 people so it was a magical feeling but uh, building everything from scratch uh, it was it was just amazing and see that grow Um, and then moved to Citrix just now, nine months ago, to help them transform themselves. Um, And I think one of the, throughout my career and every single step I've made, um, all the roles I've had have been in organizations in transformation mode and taking on teams uh, that needed either building something from scratch or um, transforming and and grow a team. So it's always been the red line. I think, especially in the beginning, it was an unconscious thing because I just love to do it. Um, And also in a very international environment, of course. Um, I can't be local. I have to have international people around me. That's for sure. So um, yeah, and 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 also with Citrix, that's why they they came to get me as well because they needed somebody who could help them through their their um, transformation, moving to their cloud, um, and moving to a subscription model, and looking at the future of, of Citrix uh, and the type of talents we need.
1: So I'm I'm curious to kind of dive into that. I've had quite a bit of experience in U.S. multinationals myself, and I suppose um, I've I really seen that dynamic of what I call translating American into European speak. And and what I mean by that is, you know, the company is growing at a tremendous pace. It's driven by, you know, growth out of North America. That's where it's normally headquartered. How do you find, well, first of all, I'm curious, kind of, obviously, there's an attraction there to tech and to American multinationals, just that I, I particularly like their work ethic, their never, uh, never say die, nothing is impossible kind of approach. Mm. Um, but we're, we're quite, we're quite different in Europe, you know, so we're, we're somewhat cynical, but we're, we're high energy, but we're cynical in some ways. And, and our laws are different. I'm, sp- I'm curious, how do you translate that? How do you, um, not from a linguistics perspective, but how do you translate that kind of culture and, and get it done from an European? perspective and work with the laws and legal jurisdictions across different countries in EMEA what, what does that look like in your world uh, historically
0: yeah it's uh, as you say it's complex and I mean America they have their rules especially when you work with companies who have uh, who are federal contractors for example uh, like Citrix or like GE we uh, we have we're under quite heavy rules um, but, in Europe, it's even more complex and getting getting them to understand that Europe is not fifty states, but it's it's different countries, <laughs> and we have different laws and different different languages in all countries and it's 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 a, it's a challenge sometimes but um I think it's it, yeah it's constant communication, I think um, we're getting through it because the Europeans are. I think more well, very collaborative and a little bit less aggressive than the Americans. So I think we're sort of them. We're calming them down a little bit um, and constantly communicating that. Well, it is we cannot do. Well, we cannot translate, for example, a, a marketing campaign into Europe. Just taking it and and do the same thing in Europe because the pictures are not the same. Um, uh, when you talk football in the US, it's not the same football as we're talking football. <laughs> it's sure. So it's, um, yeah, it needs localization and that goes for the talent as well, I think. It's um, it, it's constant, yeah, it's constant communication, I think, and and learning from both worlds.
2: In terms of that talent, um, Maria, the... Let's me talk. let talk a little bit about job flexibility. So, I mean, the flexibility of working conditions is a HR issue that organizations must really perfect, I think, to attract um, the next generation of, of workers, you know, millennials and past that. How do you guys, um, how do you approach that in terms of job flexibility or how are you finding that now considering a lot of organizations based on uh, what what has transpired with COVID nineteen have uh, have had to ensure that they become you know extremely agile and ex- extremely yes. flexible.
0: No, I think that yeah the key word is that, as you say it's you have to be agile. Um, I think the current crisis can be catalyst for for many areas. It can it can accelerate our move towards more yeah more flexibility um, the digital working conditions and higher with higher productivity as well i would say because we've seen with us that we're actually um as productive or even more productive working at home um and so has many studies have have told us that it's the same with other organizations yeah i read a study
2: recently that that was stating um between 15 and 20 percent more productive um uh, what they call smart working where there's a bit of flexibility they allow people to maybe you know work two three days uh, remotely and you know come in uh, maybe one day a week uh, they've found that um people yeah. are, are in fact more productive as you say
0: absolutely and it's and it, it gives you better work-life balance and and with that more engaged employees and uh so it's It's, well, at c I mean, we're fortunate that remote work is in our DNA, I would say. (laughs) We've been practicing flexible working styles for decades already, and we're using our products when doing it, of course, with, with no loss in productivity. But we have, now during this crisis, we're also helping our customers, and even before that, of course, but even more so now, the customers and partners to really keep their businesses operational and, and their employees safe because um, i think when i'm mean, bringing this back to to talent i think the it's it's disrupting i mean we have a talent crisis in general um in this sector that we've always spoken about i mean for the last
2: what's your years. philosophy on that why, why do you think we have a talent crisis
0: I think, well, we, we do not have as, well, we're moving very quickly
2: mm-hmm.
0: and the, um, the highly educated and the rightly educated people are maybe not there yet. I mean, I saw it with, with GE, for example, we started recruiting UX designers and data scientists, etc., that had a speciality and an expertise on a certain thing which didn't really exist in Europe yet. Well, the American asked us to, my American colleagues asked us to to bring UX designers from a specific school. And I said, well, those two schools do not exist in Europe yet. They're coming, but they don't exist yet. So we have to wait for a few years. Um, so I think that that is a little bit the, the problem we have and everybody are looking for the same talent. But I think what we what we can do is i mean this crisis can actually be an opportunity for us uh, f- not only for the tech sector but for all sectors to disrupt and fix the talent crisis to some extent mm. i think the i mean the young young generation is born into a world of technology and they're also expecting the flexible working spaces and um well you can say consumer-like tech experience in in all aspects of their work and in the digital workspace and flexible working from anywhere um gives you an access to new talent pools
2: and then if 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 you add in the the rise in diversity and inclusion concerns uh it makes it quite a complex environment for for um for you guys in hr i would imagine like accommodating diversity and inclusion in the workplace is is, is a continual concern from conversations w- we've had and, and a continual challenge for HR departments. You know, things social justice, human rights, employee engagement contribute to, to kind of the evolution of HR operations. So as a global entity, you know, um, I guess you guys are, are trying to create an environment in, in which people of different genders and religions and ages and walks of life can can work without the fear of judgment. Um, can you comment on that kind of what's your view on that
0: i think we're well i mean we take it very seriously um, and um, we had with our ta team yesterday actually we had a global call about it and and we were discussing with the team okay what what can we do as a team to to bring in more diversity and really bring this up, this question up to uh, to work better and and it's um it's a tricky one but we're working with many associations um, we we increased our work with uh, girls who code for example during uh, during this period as well and and many other organizations to really help help girls help um, different yeah diverse candidates to really bring up their uh, their skills as well and to get to get people to well diverse talents to really get access to education and to to equal job opportunities, and also I think upskilling and reskilling uh, talent is very important as well in the in the in the new uh, well future uh, of work because I mean we have to some extent hard. It's hard to find the right talent outside, so why not focus also on our current talents? Um, and we have to invest in, in build up uh, the skills uh, in our workforce. And We need to work different well, we need also to change the way we work if we're going to have the new way of working in the future, uh, what we call now the new normal um and uh, people will need to learn as well how to work remotely and how to work differently so it's um it's a never-ending learning as well
2: yeah and in fact some researchers have claimed that um even more diverse teams outperform their colleagues because of their ability to adapt to different social environments and circumstances so it's it's an advantage to, oh, to ensure that you, you have those type of, type of programs in place that, you know, are, are uh, inclusive and, and uh, capture diversity in, um, in, in, in a very uh, positive manner. You've probably, I would wager, you've probably had experience of finding, recruiting and onboarding um, people completely remotely and online without anyone ever meeting anyone in your organization. Is, am I right or wrong on that?
0: oh absolutely we've done only so for the last four months so <laughs> so months. how is that
2: yeah. <laughs> describe for listeners kind of how that's going um is it a bit odd or, or is it plain sailing and you know how, how do you check in and kind of validate that uh, you know the the new candidates are doing okay do you have a strong enablement program you know that kind of thing can you can you talk talk to us a little bit about how that uh, how that works or how yeah, it's been working, sure. actually, for you guys, it's, specifically. Yeah,
0: it's it's been working, actually, uh, better than I thought. Um, because we we moved remote I mean, instantly. And the teams were up and running uh, in, in 24 hours at home. Uh, so, And also, in terms of onboarding, the IT teams, I think they needed three days to set everything up uh, from home office. And then they were... Ready to onboard people remotely. So we, uh, in terms of the interviewing, I mean, we had interview by video and everything before that. Of course, um, there was a shift. Of course, since the especially for the hiring managers to take that last decision um, without meeting the person, that was a shift and and a tough one, I think, which we saw also and the, the changes in behavior was that we had maybe a little bit more um more well the number of interviews in the process went up um because was on both sides um candidates needed more reinsurance and uh, so did we and then also we we noticed quite quickly that we needed to communicate a lot more um cuz for us It was pretty natural for us it was obvious that we could do this virtually and that we could onboard people virtually because we put up even with the problem we had in the beginning with china being on lockdown as well we didn't have any computers to give the newcomers but we then asked them if they could use their personal computer and we just put up our workspace on their personal computer So then they had access to everything in a secure environment so they could work. It was seamless, but the candidates didn't understand that from the beginning, of course, because they hadn't seen it work. So one thing that we that I had quickly to go out also as a message to the business was over communicate to the candidates because we started seeing candidates almost withdrawing from the process because they were just yeah worried and it's like should i well worried first of all should i actually change my job now in this period we're have we having a lot of uncertainties should i add another uncertainty onto my stress uh, by by changing jobs um and uh, so we we really needed to be there for them um the managers and the ta team to constantly communicate and more often than not um, and it actually, it's, it's worked very well. And we do, um, we do, we have the, the video calls. We have, um, all the virtual team meetings, uh, the IT team has even had, a Three-day virtual um, offsite, as they said, <laughs> and it worked brilliantly. Apparently, so and a uh,
2: virtual offsite—that's so a yeah, new one. That's an, a new they one used, <laughs>
0: They used to the mayor our, our, our CIO. She explained that they used virtual stick you know, post-its that they moved around on the computer screens. I would have loved to see that because I haven't seen it myself, but it works. So they're they're very. I mean, that's where we're seeing as well, HR and IT, to be successful in this, HR and IT has to work together really closely. And yeah. not even that. I mean, I'm the CEO, so the leaders of the organization and also facilities, because everybody works together to make this work.
1: You mentioned there, Maria, an interesting point. Um, you, you've obviously made that brave shift to hiring, you know, recruiting, sourcing, interviewing, hiring, and onboarding remotely, uh, without ever having met somebody. Um, and I, I, I find that fascinating. Um, Where you go through a process, very you know, very much in a virtual environment, where there's etiquette to be had, there's kind of people almost on their best behaviour. There's no uh, body language that's as visible as there might be in person. Um, And then you also touched on a point about the rise in technology, Um, and I suppose that's a huge area around talent um, management. So obviously you've got talent acquisition and talent management within the HR function. Maybe could you share with us a bit about how you kind of Perhaps being exposed to technology, managing that process, you know, from a numerical uh, KPI perspective, etc., when there aren't those kind of personality nuances that the hiring manager might have as a leader uh, to to pick up to pick up on uh, and form an opinion. Maybe could you share with us how those kind of developments has hel- helped you manage talent a little better?
0: The development on, on, on different technologies, you mean?
1: Yeah. So how does the technology enable you to manage talent and particularly in the context of this kind of modern uh, remote virtual environment where you haven't had the chance? The hiring manager may not have never, ever met the person in a, in a, in a real sense in the same
0: room as it were. Yeah, exactly. No. And it's, it's true that it's, it's more complicated. Um, and I think it's, it's, um, well, you have to think differently about technology as well uh i mean we use videos as much as we can um when we meet people um then we realize as well you shouldn't use videos in all calls because it's actually pretty tiring to be on video all day long <laughs> and um and and also um having having that well enable you can give so much technology to a person um but if you don't enable them to work with it and if you don't give them that culture fit and that human piece to it as well, then it won't work. Um, and that's where we, we saw also our our culture piece in with C tricks and what we are, it helped a lot because you you need that um, communication. We do uh we do the video course of course, we do the happy hours, we do the open room hours with with the uh with the leaders where you can ask anything that comes into your mind. So it's a little bit like your your office is open open door and your team bumps sure. in because you can't you can't do that physically now. So we try to do it virtually. Um and yeah, so it's it's um you have to Look at so many more aspects than just the um, just pure performance aspect and the security aspect, of course, because that's a very important one.
1: I'm uh, I'm also curious in relation to productivity. There, you you mentioned before we came on the call that uh, remote work was in your your DNA, and particularly now in light of this global pandemic with COVID nineteen. Um, I suppose the first part of my question would be, have you have you worked more remote than, than before, I would imagine so. And then second of all, what, what have been your takeaways from a productivity perspective? I mean, I know my wife works in a, a business development function and uh, she is a, a large team and, and their productivity is actually up considerably. Um, but there are different dynamics there. There's home involvement. And if you have a family, these things change and priorities shift. What's been your takeaway from from a productivity perspective in these kind of unusual times?
0: I think, uh, well, to your first question, uh, yes, I'm working. I've been working always. I mean, maybe two, three days uh, a week from home, but uh, or traveling. Uh, I mean, now, lately, it's been 100% from home, and we'll stay that for, for the next couple of months, I think. Um, but... Um, but I think the, well, one one thing that has changed, well, I mean, during this this crisis as well, we had one thing that was totally different as well. We had the family at home, which you normally don't have. <laughs> so you have that on top of it. Uh, so people were, we saw it internally as well. And even with myself, you tend to work more, uh, more hours um you are a little bit more productive yes because you're not you're not traveling anywhere and and you're in your office 30 seconds after you (laughs) you prepared yourself uh for the morning but um but it's yeah you had to juggle with uh, the bad conscious of of uh, yeah having screaming kids and barking dogs uh, while while you were on a call with your boss at the same time so it's a it's been a stress factor on top of it, Um, but I think it's, it's worked out well. And I think the, why it worked out well for, for us was also that we, from the beginning, the leadership of this company went out with the messaging that we are in it sort of together our core values are integrity, respect, curiosity, courage, and unity, and and leading with empathy. Um, and I think that's that's very true in this in this um, crisis because we, in mean, examples, um, what happened here at Citrix was that they went out immediately to tell us that we had uh, 100% of our salary if you or your family members were sick. Or if you couldn't work from home, you were still paid. The few people that actually couldn't work from home. Um, if you needed to take some extra time off to take care of your kids. I mean, we rearranged our our meetings and our way of working because I had team members who were very small kids. So they worked early morning, for example, and then late nights. And during the day, they tended to their kids. and. Um, We had an extra bonus to all the employees to support extra cost of working from home because not all of us had had a home office to work from. Um, We had weekly communications from from our CEO and from HR and from our security officer uh, about the situation and how we manage it and how the future looked like, etc. So it was at all times we were um, reassured, I would say, and listened to. Uh, we started Slack channels uh, throughout the company um, globally. So um, we started to have virtual um, happy hours in the evenings, and um, and, and also things like um, donations to charity. All our all our well events money, for example, that I that we had, we were supposed to do recruitment events um, this summer, and we can't do them. So instead of taking that money and yeah do something else with it, we we actually took that money and gave it to charity instead. So it 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 helped. It yeah it gives you really profound um, message as well how the company is and and how we work and and we felt really supported. So it's worked really well, especially for myself. I felt that. Uh, very nice price, I would say, since I've only been here for nine months.
2: That's cool. It sounds like a lot of thoughtful initiatives there, and kind of, you know, you, you, you got to really try different things to see uh, what's working because, um, you know, it's unrealistic to think that uh, you, you have a, a solution to every problem right now. It's, it's only by that constant feedback and engagement that you capture the sentiment of pretty much the entire organization to move forward with um, various initiatives and programs and fun stuff that um, really kind of get people engaged. Um, In terms of the engagement piece, um, is there an emphasis on on continual learning um, um, in in your organization right now? Like, how do you guys deal with that uh and are you involved in any kind of uh immersive uh learning there there seems to be a rise in the amount of immersive learning uh programs that are are taking uh taking place in organizations and what i mean by immersive is you know kind of situational uh artificially produced scenarios and 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 kind of role plays where where people participate and really get to uh, really get to know a role or a persona or a situation, and they kind of virtually go through that situation, and they're assessed, and they learn faster, and those kind of things. What's yeah. um, what's your view on 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 learning? Um, it, it's unfortunate when we we talk to a lot of organisations, they spend so much money and time on recruiting really good people, but they spend so little time uh, helping uh, those people to be better you know, investing in, in, in those people. The the average, I believe, is less than $1,200 a year um, that, that is invested in, uh, on average, uh, an employee's yeah. continual learning.
0: No, it's true. That I've seen throughout my career as well, you know, right. Um, I don't know how much we invest in, in terms of money, and that's for sure, but um, we do in, invest um, quite a lot uh, because our focus we we know that our our asset is our people so so we really put a gr- very strong focus on the employee experience um and that goes through as well with the with the products that we develop um that it's it's a product that well the workspace should not only be a great technology but it should be user friendly as well and do what you want to do um and and i think in in terms of learning um we do actually do uh what do you call the immersion learning um we're trying it now with uh with hiring managers in one of our locations uh now we're doing it virtually of course but um uh, we're doing sessions in in um, interview skills and how to um, yeah interview techniques etc for new managers and we actually give them cvs um and until next time we split the training in two and for the next time they're gonna actually do an interview so we're playing the interviewees and then they're gonna be the managers interviewing and um and and see if they learn from the first time on the competency-based interviewing and and uh, yeah, how to ask the right questions, etc., and really do it live. Even though yeah, it's going to be virtual this time, but a lot That's of good, good things like that.
2: Yeah, because a lot a lot of um, people assume that if, if you're a manager, a middle manager, that uh, you know how to interview candidates oh, to find yeah. the right candidates properly. So but <laughs> the reality is, no one has ever taught you, and. You think you know what you're looking for, but I'm sure there's so many times that middle managers have just not gotten the best out of a candidate, in t- both in terms of the questions they ask and uh, the knowledge to know what they're actually looking for, what, what, a, what a rockstar, superstar employee uh, yeah. might look like. And often
0: they don't know it before they actually start meeting the candidates. Then they start to understand what they're actually looking for. So we switch a little bit the profiles we're looking for throughout the throughout yeah. the whole process but uh, but it, it, it's so true uh, often they they don't know or they're asking questions they shouldn't ask or um, and it's and also one one big thing is that they they assume that everybody knows how great it is for to work for a company, and the people from the outside don't i mean so many people don't know how. I mean, what a great company Citrix is. I didn't know that before I joined. Um, and and also, you don't tend to. Well, some managers don't sell. It's like we. I mean, ninety-nine percent of our candidates are headhunted today by my team. So we need to sell to them. We need to make them, make them, yeah, make our make our company sexy to them and make them want to join us and not the contrary. They shouldn't sell themselves, or it's a, it's a 50-50 thing. <laughs> it's like a date.
2: Yeah, exactly, exactly. And yeah, it's, it, it, it's important that um, there's a, a relatively level playing field there that there's there's it's an exploration process, isn't it, for for the fit?
0: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and so. on both sides. Yeah. Because especially also for, for c and and... One thing that I didn't mention on, for example, the remote interviewing and what we've realized now, especially on our leaders, because I, I'm recruiting, um, several VP and level staff now, and, and, we realized talking to, to the leaders that, okay, but we were actually not using any assessment tools at the moment for our sales leaders. So we brought one in now because especially now when we can't meet the people face to face we need it more just as an sort of an extra tool to help us in the conversation. It would never be a tool that would reject somebody or would push somebody, but, but it would be an extra tool in, in our conversations with the, with the candidates. And, and it actually helped us. And, um, and it's so important to find the right, the right culture fit um, also for, also for the candidates, because I don't want to head somebody out from a great wall he has today, or he or she has today, and bring him him to to Citrix where they would be frustrated or, yeah, not happy in three months and leave.
1: I totally can get that um, that messaging um, I, and, and talk us through like what does what does a leadership profile look like for you guys like when you're recruiting for somebody at the very beginning of their sales career you know from my experience whenever I've had those conversations I'm very much looking for that young hungry kind of ambitious person uh, starry-eyed and, and puts the head down and gets stuck in but like talk us through what a senior leader looks like and, and what a rock star quality uh you know of of character is for you guys and from your perspective
0: yeah i think i mean an all-around um business leader i think more than just just a sales leader if i look at our um our vp walls that we're recruiting um and um leading with empathy um somebody who can bring out the better of the teams and not um of course i mean we are we are an american software company totally driven and and everything with it and and of course we need to 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 we're aggressive in our figures but we are what's what was a very nice surprise to me when i joined is that it's a very human human company at the same time um we're very focused on on the employee experience and and on the human piece of the company, um, so we're not that uh, extreme aggressive. We we don't need that. We need somebody who can push and who can who can lead by example uh, and and also uh, trans help us in the transformation uh, bring the teams to the next steps because we are in a transformation um and it takes a while uh, for this company because we're not a brutal company so we want to accompany our people and train at the same time so it's um yeah it's maybe taking longer than some of the other companies but um but we will get there and have some great employee experience with it
1: and i suppose what i'm interested in learning and we put remote work aside for a moment um Throughout your career when you started to when when you um kind of joined Citrix, what would you say are the biggest changes you've seen from a, you know, culture perspective and a workforce perspective? Like what's changed um in the way that we work now? Uh, versus what we used to do from a kind of a, an approach and I suppose some of the things I've seen just by way of an example obviously we talked about remote work that's that's fairly prevalent but I think culturally there you, you touched on a few interesting points um, that that I um, sort of gravitate towards you mentioned there around empathy and leadership um, I, 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 I would coin that as being kind of servant leadership so your leader is there to serve you and enables yes. you to be successful mm-hmm. your, your leader is not there to be your boss or to manage you your leader is there to show you how great you can actually be on your own and giving you the tools to do that so I think that's yes. been a dramatic shift for me but maybe if you could share with us your own experiences there and you know what's changed in the, the old school days of the bureaucratic or autocratic guy who was he was effectively a boss and was there to yeah. get when things were going wrong whereas praise and enablement seem to be the order today uh, would you would you kind of support that
0: Oh, absolutely. And I mean, you see the difference today as well, when you recruit the young, the young generation, because they don't, they don't respect you just because you are their boss. You have to earn their respect and you do that by growing them and, and, and yeah, doing all that you, you mentioned by enabling them to, to grow and to be and giving them the tools to to be that great salesperson and coach them. Um, and not by some people told me, they, yeah, the old school is like screaming, screaming in meeting rooms. And I've seen it myself and and I've seen sort of the the older generation just sit silent. And I saw somebody in the younger, younger generation this was not with Citrix, I can assure you, but uh, just stand up and say, Well, listen, and, and it was his boss. And it's like, listen, boss. And he's like, I'll I'll come back to this meeting when you come And he just left. And people were just staring at him. And I'm like, good for you. <laughs> so it's it's changing. You the world has to change with it. We we cannot manage the young generation as we managed before, and even the I mean, we don't want to be managed. I don't calculate myself the younger generation anymore and I don't want to be managed like that either. So it's, it's really, really changed.
1: Um, and I suppose, um, wh- wh- I mean, I suppose my question would be how how more liberal can we go? I mean, what, what else is there? Uh, you know, I, I suppose for me, it's always a delicate balance between that kind of younger generation. As you mentioned, you don't, uh, respect you because you're their boss it's it's that kind of balance between you know somebody who's actually good it can do the job and and and, and is open and uh, humble for me and coachable they're kind of the key qualities but you know how much um, more can we go by way of being a nice guy um versus that kind of millennial snowflake the world owes me a living kind of direction I suppose what, what else do you see changing uh, going forward if you were to put a crystal ball to it
0: yeah, we, well, we had a debate uh, the other day with uh, some other TA leaders uh, globally on, well, what if the the permanent positions would would go away, for example, because we see some of the young generations even in. On the software developer side, for example, they take on projects and then they go take a tour of the world and then they take on next projects. And so they're working as consultants and not as as a permanent employee. Um, but while some people really think that that's the future and uh, the death of the the permanent employees, I'm not sure that's true to that extent because I still think, or very far away. Because because I still think that we, when we come in, come into, I mean, the the thirties when we get our families and kids and we want to buy a house, etc. The society doesn't allow you to be that just moving from job to job. You you need and you would want to have more stability as well. So I still I still were were still in it for for a while. Um, on on that piece um but it's true i mean it's it's moving faster than we think in crisis like this i mean we were talking a couple of months ago about future of work when we did our analysis of uh of the market for for citrix and now we're talking about the new normal instead because it's we're here and we'd never thought that four months ago
2: that's very interesting yeah i think it's about fundamentally it's about a purpose isn't it um to, to kind of help employees find purpose and meaning in their work but also to give them a, a relative level of autonomy so that you know they feel they have more uh more say over how and when and where they work
0: yes um, absolutely
2: and and i'm with you on that i'm not sure if that's the the silver bullet or the answer that um you have uh an, an organization full of non-employees and freelancers and people coming and going, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, because it it takes a a special kind of uh, operational system to be able to manage all of that effectively um, because there are a lot of the best functional areas in organizations are still process-driven. Oh, absolutely.
0: Um, And there is a risk for the culture as well in that sense. It's hard possi- to build a culture uh, when you have people coming and going all the time.
2: Yeah, I, I I'd imagine so. Um, the, but there, there is, there is a rise in the, the kind of executive table thinking of looking at employees from, from an outcomes perspective rather than the inputs. Required to do a role. Do do you see that at all? Um, Do you see any kind of shift there where it's pretty much outcome driven or objective driven where we see this in a lot of development teams, for example, um, where people don't care how you get there um, as long as we reach the objective? Because fundamentally, People have different ways of working um, you know they, they might want to do it on different timelines, et cetera, and everybody's programmed yeah. differently so to allow people at least that level of autonomy to be able to um, get the job done um, and 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 that it, it, isn't that really what it's all about the outcome
0: oh absolutely and that and that's also. I mean, one of the parts of the transformation, and what we call the digital transformation, but it's so much more than that. Today, it's not only the digital part, but also it's only well, the technology in that transformation is is only one part of it. It's you have the uh, you have culture in it as well, and the people centric design, as as we call it. But I mean, the new way of work will require a, a cultural transformation in companies and businesses will will have to be building trust i would say between team members and team leaders and 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 a little bit like you said shifting from that presence oriented mindset to a result oriented mindset because you won't and, and not all companies i'm talking to friends now who work for french companies for example i mean not not all companies are ready to be there quite
1: yet but i think they have to in the future yeah yeah i would i would definitely agree with that um i suppose as we wrap up here i'm i'm kind of keen to understand um a bit more on the culture we typically ask the question of what does crack mean to you c-r-a-i-c um and and in each country kind of that nuance of culture is is different across me and you've certainly got the experience around swedish italian french um American multinational kind of uh, diversity and, and 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 kind of cultural aspects as well What what do you find kind of works best from a personality trait perspective and kind of what have you learned from culture your cultural journey as um, it were?
0: Um That I would say that anywhere in the world everybody still wants to have fun <laughs> and and even working remotely, we shouldn't forget that. And even more so, I think, now when we're remote. So, having that, and I, I can take myself, I don't have it enough, but we've done a couple of virtual happy hours, for example, even on a global level, where people had either the morning coffee or, and some people had the, the evening wine in their hands. But, and, but it's just having that downtime and everybody wants it I mean being in in Japan or in Italy or in or in Ireland mm-hmm. um, everybody's looking for that as well and, and and just respecting respecting each other and 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 our differences but at the same time yeah building bridges to be, to to really work together
1: I know it's very apt. I, I completely agree and support that. Um, we're all human at the end of the day and social creatures, and we all bring something to ta- the table, by the way, of social diversity and, and personality traits and skills, quite frankly. So, no, I think that captures it very, very well. Well, look, Maria, I really want to thank you for uh, taking the time to be on the show and share your um, insights with our listeners. It's been a great pleasure and, and of great value. Thank you kindly.
0: Well, thank you. I really enjoyed the conversation.
1: Thank you, Maria. Pleasure.
0: Thank- You've been listening to the Global Tech Leaders Podcast, designed for both established and aspiring career-focused tech rock stars, as well as helping leadership figure out how to speak global in today's multicultural world. For further details, check out sf-talent.com.